one school, one year. KGW investigative reporter Kristen Severance is spending a full school year sharing stories from inside Northeast Portland's Woodlawn Elementary. Since the first day of school, we've heard stories of struggle, loss, happiness, and hope. Today, we look back at some of the most powerful moments and talk about what's to come for Inside Woodlawn. From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. It's not often in local television news you get to spend a year on a project and to devote the kind of time and the resources to an education story. But that's what we're doing at KGW. Investigator Kristen Severance is taking us inside Woodlawn Elementary School in Northeast Portland for stories that tell us a lot about ourselves, our history, where we are today and where we're going. Kristen joins us to tell us more about the project and what she's learned along the way. I'm pleased to welcome as my guest, Kristen Severance. Welcome to Straight Talk, it's great to have you back. Thank you so much for having me. The last time you were on, we were talking about your investigation, Classrooms in Crisis, where you talked about disruptive students and the impact it was having on students, teachers, parents, mm -hmm. the classroom. Now you have this new project. Why did you decide to spend a year inside Woodlawn Elementary School? So Laurel, you, Classrooms in Crisis, it was seven months of stories, two dozen stories, looking at these disruptive behaviors in elementary schools and really the impact on teachers, parents, on students. Through that uh, series, you know, a lot of good happened, a lot of change happened. So laws were changed so teachers could, you know, handle these incidents uh, in a more effective way. You know, there was a huge funding package uh, that passed, so $2 billion now going into our schools. And so we were feeling, you know, pretty good about our coverage. And then we saw this documentary done by our sister station in Minneapolis. And it's called Love Them First. And they spent a year inside an elementary school in North Minneapolis. We were so inspired by this movie by this documentary. I remember watching it at my desk here at work. I cried and I said to our bosses, I said, there is so much more that we can do. There are, there are so many stories that we need to tell. So we pitched this idea to Portland Public Schools. I actually showed them the trailer for that documentary on my phone and they said yes. I said, let us spend a year inside a school telling stories. I knew it was a long shot and they said, you can do it and they picked Woodlawn Elementary School. Why, though, just spend a year in one school? Why not feature a number of schools? We really wanted to tell in-depth stories. We wanted to get to know students, get to know teachers, get to know parents in the community. If you changed every month, you really wouldn't build those relationships that we've been able to build. Let's take a look at where Woodlawn School is. Okay. It's located in Northeast Portland in the Woodlawn neighborhood. It's near Woodlawn Park in an area called the Deacom Triangle. Let's take a look at a clip from your very first episode where we got our very first look at Woodlawn Elementary. My first question to Woodlawn's principal, Andrea Porter Lopez that day, and then to her students and staff at a welcome back fair a few days later, tell me about Woodlawn. Woodlawn is amazing. It is the best school in Northeast Portland. What's Woodlawn like? It's amazing. The best school I've ever went to out of other two schools. Kind of remind me of home. 
you know, you know what's going on in school, even though you're not here every day, because they call you, let you know what's going on, and I like it because they actually work with the students. Uh, one of my favorite things about the Woodlawn community is everyone treats the kids here like they're their own kids, right? Everyone wants the best for everyone that they're interacting with, and um, you can feel that right when you walk in the building. Woodlawn has my heart. Um, this is a part of me. Like I said, I've been in the community my entire life, so proud to be a part of the Wildcat family. There's like a spirit about Woodlawn that is kind of indescribable and I think you guys are going to see it as you're here through the year. Woodlawn was still one of the very few, like five remaining uh, majority black schools in the state three years ago. And there's ownership and pride in that. There's I go to Woodlawn and black girls matter. Like our girls will tell you that. I really like this school. It's actually a really good school. You learn actually a lot here. Uh, they challenge you, like the challenges are pretty hard, but they challenge you to do better things. One thing I heard a lot over those first few days of interviews from Andrea, from teachers, from everyone, Woodlawn is a neighborhood that's changing. And we are going to talk more about how that neighborhood is changing, but I want to know what was the initial reaction when you, your photographer, Jean Cotton, also Kurt Austin, photojournalist Kurt Austin goes along with you. What was the initial reaction when you showed up at school? <laughs> the initial reaction was, what? What do you want to do? You know, uh, Andrea, the principal, had us come in um, and really pitch the idea to all the teachers. And there was a lot of skepticism. You know, when you say you want to spend a year in a school, a news crew, you know, teachers, their, their number one, you know, reaction is, well, the, the kids, you know, they're worried about the kids. Is this going to be disruptive to the kids or to uh, the learning environment? Um, but then after, you know, the first story, when people could really see, okay, this is what they want to do. They want to tell just real stories, you know, our story everything changed. And we were able to just really build these really great relationships and get to know the kids. You know, watching that clip, that was in August. I saw you smile too yes. as you watched it. That was in August. I mean, the kids look so different now um, and I just know them so well. So uh, it's it's really been just amazing experience to be inside the classrooms and, and just be around the kids. H how do you feel when you're in, in the school? It's being, and teachers say this, and I never understood it until now, but the best part is being around the kids. It's so just joyful. They're so happy and they're so honest. You cannot tell kids what to say. I mean, so they will give you a real answer, you know, and that's been one of the best parts. We hear some of that in, in the clips we're going to see. Uh, let's look at what the student population is. Mm -hmm. Woodlawn at a glance. There are 328 students, pre-K through the fifth grade, 41% are African-American students, 25% are white, 21% Hispanic, 14% are learning English as a second language, and 73% are on free or reduced lunch program. In one of your early episodes, you looked at Woodlawn's goal of having more teachers of color, more teachers who represent that student population. Mm -hmm. So let's take a look at that and what the teachers had to say. Having teachers of color, it's more than just being a teacher of color. It's, it's about sharing that perspective that, again, someone else from a different point of view may not be able to share. I'm able to talk about things in a more comfortable manner, whether it's between race, um, if we're talking about like historical um, things, I'm not afraid to talk about it with the students. Um, I don't shy away from it. I don't try to sugarcoat it. What's it like having these um, 
teachers that look like you. It's really good because it makes me feel comfortable. When I was little, I didn't understand what racism was, what any type of stuff like that was. But now that I've had teachers that look like me explain it to me, it's like a part of my history. So it makes me feel happy that they're talking about it now. And being in their classes is just make, just makes me happy. And that makes me happy just listening to her. The teachers told you that having students of color doesn't just benefit the students of color. Exactly. So having uh, you know teachers of color in Woodlawn and uh, having you know male teachers of color, uh, especially, it does of course you know uh, it helps the the students of color see someone who looks like them teaching, but also it helps the white students as well. It's a different perspective, and they say that's that is a big part of their school. I mean, the teachers I interviewed that that's really the heart of Woodlawn, and they're big leaders there. There are two black male first grade teachers. I think they said that was very unusual, isn't it? Uh, yes, um, one of the first grade teachers, Mr. Lowry, he said it's like a it's like having two unicorns. It's like it's unheard of in Oregon to have two yeah black male first grade teachers. And a lot of those teachers went through a program called the Portland Teachers Program. That's a partnership between Portland State University, PPS, and I think Beaverton School District. Mm -hmm. But the future of that program isn't bright, is it? No, uh, and that's. Uh, a very, it's disappointing. It's disappointing for the people who went through the Portland Teachers Program and for all of those, you know, students who hope to go through the program. Right now, it's at a standstill. The program provides full tuition waivers for, it's uh, between 20 to 30, you know, students. And it's a very intensive program. So you really cannot work or have a job when you're going through the program because that is your job to go through that program. They said it's really rigorous. It's very rigorous. There's, you know, it's, it's not just papers. You have to learn a lot about different cultures and yeah, it's very intense. And so right now, um, PSU cannot or will not provide the full tuition waivers and so. So for now, really disappointing for a lot of prospective teachers. Right. Uh, we mentioned at the beginning, and you said in that first uh, clip that we heard, that the neighborhood is changing. Mm -hmm. and, and one thing is gentrification. And uh, a lot of the families who used to live there, uh, some of the parents who were students at Woodlawn, they've been forced out of the neighborhood. They've been priced out of the neighborhood. They've had to move far out, out some out into Gresham area. Mm -hmm. And you met a mom named Alicia and her daughter Olivia, who drive between 22 and 30 minutes every morning to come to school. You wrote a along with them mm -hmm. and Olivia uh, and Alicia shared with you how the neighborhood that Alicia grew up in is changed. What did she tell you? Right. She used to live in that neighborhood and um, she showed us the house where she grew up and she wants her, you know, her daughter to go to the school and like half of the families there she drives to get there and she said it's just it's a very strange feeling because it's a very familiar neighborhood but it's just it's changed so much it, it's right in the middle of gentrification so she doesn't really know a lot of the stores anymore she doesn't know a lot of the and the churches are the churches are gone. or in the people that used to be there uh, it's 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 a changing neighborhood and there's a lot of mixed feelings about it you know positive and negative she said it would be strange to go back there but yet she holds on to that dream that one day she can go back to the neighborhood let's listen what to what she told you that's where my mom grew up and now they can't live there anymore. And coming back to Woodlawn helps keep some connection. But I just have to keep moving forward and doing everything I can so that one day someone won't be able to tell me that I have to move out of my neighborhood. 
um, so that one day maybe I will be able to come back and purchase in this neighborhood. And although it might be weird for me to, to give people the history of why I'm back in this neighborhood and why you're not going to be able to kick me out this time. And um, while you like it or not, here I am and I'm going to be present. But I, but in the meantime, I have to work hard and I have to teach my kids hard and I have to do everything that I can do in order to make that kind of dream come true. And we hear the word gentrification a lot, but you've had the opportunity to see firsthand it happening right before your eyes. Right, and I think the story of gentrification has been told in Portland many times. It's something that a lot of people talk about, but from a school perspective, it's very unique. And the administration at Woodlawn and the teachers at Woodlawn told me this when I first started there, and I can see it. So the, the you know kindergarten, first, and second grades, you can see it's students of color and white students. But the upper grades, the third, fourth, and fifth, it's primarily students of color and so the teachers say when the kids in kindergarten now are in fifth grade the school is going to be different it's going to you know the makeup of the school is going to be completely different than it is right now and the teachers may change as well especially without this program that we were talking about right you know that is something that may happen the the teachers of color there at the school are there for all the kids but they really want to be there and want to be role models and help uh, the students of color. And so if the elementary school changes, you know, the teachers may have to make, you know, some tough choices on where they want to serve. Your most recent story was was very emotional. Uh, it really affected the community of Woodlawn. It really showed that it, it is a community. Mm -hmm. There was a first grade student, Karen, who after Christmas break, didn't come back to school. Um, tell us what happened to Karen. Right. So Karen was in is in first grade and was in Mr. Clegg's class. He noted, and she was a very bright student. Uh, she, her, and her father are from Guatemala, and she'd been at Woodlawn since kindergarten, and she was just really excelling and doing great. She just won award an award for most improved student. And she didn't come back after Christmas break, and that was just very strange. And so the teacher went to the office and said, can you call home to Karen? Because after 10 days, a student gets kicked off a class roster. Mm -hmm. And so the secretary called home, and an aunt told the secretary Karen was deported. And so we were there in Woodlawn for those next few days as those teachers, that secretary, um, the teachers, the administration, they thought that Karen was deported. There were a lot of emotions, a lot of fear, a lot of sadness, a lot of anxiety when they heard that news. So, we, But we don't know for sure that she was deported? Right. So the whole episode looks at kind of the emotions when they heard that news. And then, you know, because obviously I'm a reporter, I'm in a school, you know, if a school was told that um, a student was deported, they would not look into that further. Immigration hearings are extremely private. It is next to impossible to find out information unless you have someone's A number or alien number. But, you know, we did our you know own research and we talked to ICE and we found out that Karen's dad was going through immigration proceedings. Uh, he had entered the country illegally in 2018 
He was going through proceedings. He had two court hearings where the judge ordered a voluntary removal. And so he sent Karen back to Guatemala, where her mother lives, uh, before that third hearing. So he was going through proceedings, facing deportation, and, and sent her back. So no matter what the reason was for Karen's departure, it really had this huge impact on the school. And you talked to her first grade teacher, also a secretary who knew Karen mm -hmm. and is a DACA recipient herself, and to the assistant principal who's from an immigrant family. Mm -hmm. Let's listen to what they told you. It hit me just like a ton of bricks because again, I'm still working with my kids at the time, but just now I really couldn't think of anything but, you know, the things that maybe Cotton and her family are going through, and that was really hard. What went through your mind? Am I next? When? How long will I have with my family? Just being a DACA recipient, I know I can be next. I'm sorry this happened to her. That I hope she's well. And that we really cared about her and that we thought she was very special. Um, that her friends miss her. That's what I would say. Yeah. Those emotions really illustrate the, the community that Woodlawn is, but this isn't unique just to the Woodlawn Elementary School, this situation. Right, and um, that is something that we learned after this story. I have to say, this is a story I did not expect to be telling. When we started inside Woodlawn, you know, we wanted to look at all the challenges that schools face and, you know, tell these, you know, deeply personal stories. I just did not imagine telling this particular story, but it is not unique. It is not unique to Woodlawn. You know, I interviewed school officials who say this happens in nearly every Portland public school. And a lot of people after your story ran had some questions and you took them to Portland Public School Superintendent Guadalupe Guerrero and we're going to hear from him after the break. And we'll also take a look at some lighter moments at Woodlawn and the kids who've stolen our hearts. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk, I'm Laurel Porter. Before we get back to our conversation with KGW's Kristen Severance on her year-long project Inside Woodlawn, I want to remind you that Straight Talk is now available as a podcast. Just open your phone's camera app and point it at the QR code on your screen now. It will take you to a link where you can download our podcast. Now, welcome once again to my guest, KGW investigator Kristen Severance. Once again, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for, you know, just taking the time to talk about this project. Well, I have really enjoyed re-watching all the episodes. And, and after the one about Karen that was so emotional for a lot of a school and that Karen had to go back to Guatemala, a lot of people wrote in, wrote to you, had a number of questions. And you took them to Portland Public School Superintendent Guerrero. And we're going to look at part of that interview where you asked about a question from the viewers about the financial burden this has on the district. A lot of critics say having undocumented students in a school system is, is too much of a financial burden. I know what's a drain on our country, it's ignorance. And so I can't think of a better antidote than making sure everybody actually uh, has a well-rounded education. 
So uh, it's important that we have an educated populace. I think what's lacking is civic discourse. Um, I think every dollar we invest in children and youth uh, pays dividends uh, in our ability to uh, be strong community. And Kristen, this isn't just a policy at Portland Public Schools, is it? No, so this is based on a Supreme Court decision. So they ruled in 1982 that every single school district in every state has to provide a free education to undocumented students. So. Portland Public Schools and every other school district must do that. In Oregon, uh, the school board association, the state school board association, they put out guidelines about this saying that if a school were to cooperate with ICE, you know, immigration officials, that could, you know, violate that ruling, that could get in the way of providing um, an education. And if ICE officials want to go to the school, they have to go to the superintendent first? They do, they have to go to the superintendent in person and also uh, the district's general counsel before they were would go to any school. And at Woodlawn, if ICE officials were to show up at the school, they would go into lockdown. Uh, so they take this very seriously. A lot of your stories haven't all been serious. There have been a lot of lighter moments that have really warmed our hearts. Uh, we have a clip that shows uh, when you talk to kids about what they're thankful for for Thanksgiving. Also one uh, Christmas for kids where some of the kids got to go to Fred Meyer and go shopping for warm clothing mm -hmm. and things like that. And then we're going to start with dads and donuts and meet a grandfather who came all the way down from Seattle to go to this event with his granddaughter. Let's watch. Because she called me and asked me because I come to have a donut with her. She don't ask for too much, but something I can do. And I love doing things for her. I'm not. She's been special to me ever since she's been here. And things she do and ask for is not much. But anything I can do for her to make, make my day. Uh, love you. Love you too. Why are you thankful to be at this school? I'm thankful to be at the school to have these amazing teachers and have this amazing experience to learn and have fun. Woodlawn is like a play will make me happy. I don't consider Thanksgiving about the food. I think Thanksgiving is about family. My sister would like some toys over here. I see some babies. That's we would like those. Pajamas. My sister would like that. Okay. Yes. That is so adorable. We have to get that. Paper. Have to get it? There's so many kids that don't even think about prices. 100% top with yes lift. They don't even think about their other siblings. And Z was thinking about both. And hopefully we have enough money. We'll have enough money. We gotta go find shoes. But first we have to find the, some, some clothes for Destiny. She focused on Destiny more than she focused on herself. We don't really have a lot of presents going on yet, so I think this is the perfect time to get, to get her some presents. Sometimes you have to care for your sister and your family. What a great kid Z is. That, that was so fun to, to hear from. What's it been like for you to get to know these students and the teachers and parents? It's been amazing. Um, the kids are just the best. The kids are the best. They're so honest. They're so fun. And they're so smart. Every time we interview them, we, we just, you know, Gene and I or Kurt and I, you know, the photographers I work with on the project, we're just like, 
They're amazing. They're really amazing. It's just, I, we're so lucky to be able to do this. So what's next for Inside Woodlawn? Oh, that is the best part. We don't know. We don't know the stories. They're happening in real time. I, I do have some ideas. I want to do something on kindergarten. You know, is kindergarten too hard? I want to look at testing. You know, that's such a you know hot button issue. Um, but the best part about it is you just don't know until we're in the school and we say, oh my gosh, we have to tell that story. How hard is it going to be for you to say goodbye at the end of the school year? I don't even want to think about it. I really don't. I mean, the fifth graders, some of the fifth graders are, are I know you, you really shouldn't have favorites, but they're some of my favorite <laughs> students. It's going to be it's going to be so hard to say goodbye. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for joining us here on Straight Talk. If you'd like to watch Kristen's episodes, they're all right in one place for you to watch on KGW's YouTube page. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Laurel. Well, our pleasure. We, we look forward to your next Inside Woodlawn episode. And don't forget, you can download Straight Talk as a podcast. We have a QR code that you can look at, or you can go to your favorite podcast store and download it there. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week for Straight Talk.